And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. This your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order, you know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. The tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, Cary Grant stars in a radio adaptation of the Alfred Hitchcock-directed film Suspicion on Academy Award Theater. Then, Bela Lugosi makes a guest appearance on part one of the Abbott and Costello show from 1948. But first, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. And look who's over there. It's Mikey. Mike hey, how's it Stella. going? Mikey, he'll eat it. He likes everything, right? Hey, Mikey. I guess. He likes Remember that? The yes, life I do. commercials? Do you get that a lot, <laughs> being named uh, Mikey? I mean, I guess when I was a kid, I did. I don't think people <laughs> so call him Mikey anymore. now. I do. Actually, I know. people do. I do call they? him Mikey. Yeah. yeah. Well, I did, but he, I don't. He'll always be Mikey to me. <laughs> All right. Because... See the microphone? Way, because he's way younger than you. I don't you. want him to think <laughs> I'm calling him a microphone. Oh. So I call him Mikey. Oh, now I See get how it. that works? I so I don't get, get confused? Yeah. yeah. Don't want you to be confused. Well, it's time for some classic radio shows. You know, we're into October, so that means scary radio shows. And I have one for you to begin things off this week. Academy Award Theater Adapted Films to Radio. Now, the films or the stars of each film being dramatized on this series had to have won or been nominated for an Oscar. This series came to radio in 1946, sponsored by drug company E.R. Squibb & Sons. This had a huge budget, $5,000 per episode. Squibb decided it was far too expensive and pulled the plug after just 39 weeks on the air. However, during that 39 weeks... They had dramas that included Henry Fonda as young Mr. Lincoln, Cary Grant in Suspicion, which we're going to hear, Ronald Coleman in Lost Horizon, Humphrey Bogart in The Maltese Falcon, and many more big stars. We have a broadcast now of Suspicion, starring Cary Grant. Let's go back to October 30th, one day before Halloween, 1946. Here's part one now of Academy Award Theater. The House of Squibb presents Academy Award. Tonight, Cary Grant and Ann Todd in Suspicion. Every week, Squibb brings you Hollywood's finest. The great picture plays, the great actors and actresses, techniques and skills chosen from the honor roll of those who have won or been nominated for the famous Golden Oscar of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Tonight, Squibb brings you the thrilling mystery, Suspicion. The picture which was nominated in 1941 for three Academy Awards. As our star tonight, you will hear Cary Grant, who, as Best Actor of the Year, has twice been nominated for the Academy Award, recreating his original screen role. Appearing with him is the lovely British stage and screen star, Anne Todd. And now, Academy Award. It made me know the meaning of the word ecstasy when I married Johnny. Oh, I'd heard things about him. That he was careless, which I knew meant carefree. That he was unreliable, 
which I knew meant he was different from any other man in the world. But naturally, I didn't hear what the looks implied. Well, I wouldn't have cared even if I'd seen them. The smug looks, the I told you so's, and even the pitying looks from the few who seemed to care. Well, Mrs. Daysgarth, are you getting used to being a wife? Oh, darling, it's wonderful. Yes, well, let's see. It all started at the Hunt Ball, then we got married, then it's kind of a blur. A blur of Venice, Naples, Capri, Monte Carlo, Nice, Paris, and now this wonderful, heavenly, adorable house. Oh, Johnny, you sure we can afford all this? Uh, Lena, one doesn't talk of money in paradise. Telegram, sir. Oh, my, speaking of paradise, let's see who wants to spoil it. Is it bad news, darling? No, no, just from an old friend of mine, stupid fellow. He wants a thousand pounds. You couldn't spare a thousand, could you, dear? What do you want it for? Hanged if I know. Probably because I borrowed it from him. You borrowed it? Why? Well, because I was going on a honeymoon with the loveliest girl in the world, and I wanted her to be happy. Was she happy? But, but didn't you have any money of your own? Not a shilling. Johnny, are you broke? Oh, monkey face. I've been broke all my life. But I know you didn't marry me for my money. You could have done much better elsewhere. My income will never pay for all this. Never. Hmm. Hmm. Well, what about your father? Oh, I couldn't ask father or mother. But you wouldn't actually want to live on your wife's allowance, would you? No, darling. Naturally not. Well, then. Well, I suppose if the worst comes to the worst, that is, if there's no other way out, well, I'll probably have to... What? Borrow some more. Johnny, there's going to be no more borrowing or gambling. <laughs> what else is there to do? You've got to go to work. Uh, work? Uh-huh. Well, you mean put on old clothes, go out with a shovel? <laughs> Don't be flippant, darling. There are all sorts of jobs. Oh, all right, darling. I'm broad-minded. Let's have some tea. Hey, we can make out a list of jobs. You know, I think that'll be fun. It meant so much to me that Johnny took a position. I think you would understand. It seemed to help me push the sneers and the knowing smiles back into the dark. I don't know exactly what Johnny does, but he has a job in the office of a Captain Milbig, a sort of distant cousin of his. I was at home waiting for Johnny when a stranger called. I say, you must be old Johnny's wife. Yes, I am. Uh, didn't he uh, tell you about me? Uh, I'm Beaky. Beaky? Oh, you're Beaky. Uh, that's what they called me in school. Beaky Thwaite. Oh, I've heard so much about you. And Johnny told me about you, too. Uh, ran into him at the, uh, at the Newbury races last week. The races? Oh, put my foot in it as usual, eh? I, I mean, uh, didn't he tell you? Johnny has a job. He couldn't have been at the races. Besides, he stopped betting. Oh, he has, has he? Oh, no, Johnny. Great lad, eh, what? Well, you, you, you mustn't mind him cutting up. That's, that's what makes him Johnny. Besides, he thinks you're a topper. Oh, yes, he does. I think so, too. Hey, what? Uh, won't you sit down, Mr. Thwaite? I don't see why not. Uh, is anything wrong? Well, there were two Queen Anne chairs here this morning before I went out. Uh, they've, uh, uh, disappeared, have they? Apparently. Were they expensive? Yes, very. Museum people. <laughs> What's the matter? Oh, Johnny, he'll be the death of me yet. Don't you understand? No, I don't. I'll give you 20 to 1. Johnny sold them. Sold them? What for? What for? For money, of course. Chap's got to pay his racing bets, hasn't he? Johnny lost a packet at Newbury. I don't believe you. Oh, put my foot in it again, have I? My dear girl, uh, uh, what's your name? Uh, Lena. My dear Lena, you simply haven't got acquainted with old Johnny. Why, at school there wasn't one chap who's spending money Johnny purloined who didn't forgive him in the end. I don't forgive him anything when you know him better. Well, B, 
Beaky. Well, well, Obi. Oh, how's my darling monkey face? Uh, hello, Johnny. Ask him about the chairs, Oka. Hey, what are you whispering about, Beaky? I just want her to ask you about the chairs that disappeared. Oh, yeah, well, you would. Hmm. So you two discovered my iniquity, eh? Well, some American chap stopped by. Admired them so much, I just had to let him have them. <laughs> Johnny, you're such a wonderful liar. Yes, well, look, you two. Forget the Inquisition. Now, sit down, both of you. Anywhere. Lena, wait till you hear this. Now, shut up, Beaky. Lena, you remember that necklace you admired in the shop window a month ago? Here, it's yours. Oh, Johnny, I yes. did. My friends, the Grand National was run today. I happened to have backed the winner. A ten-to-one shot, ladies and gentlemen, ten-to-one, and I had two hundred pounds on him. By Jove, ten-to... Why, that's... that's two thousand pounds. Oh, that's amazing, Beaky. Hey, monkey face, you're not smiling. Come on, smile. Where did you get the two hundred pounds? Oh, now, really, I say, what a question. Darling, where did you get it? Oh. Well, you know very well there was no America, and I got it for the chairs, of course. You sold the chairs to gamble all your money on a horse? Not exactly. You see, I owed some money to the bookies. <laughs> Johnny's such a lad. Now, darling, be practical. Come on, give us a smile. Yes, come along, old girl. Uh, Johnny, you tickle her chin while I make faces. Think that'll work? Yes, yes. Now, more tickle. Okay. Any results yet, Beaky? Not yet, old bean. Wait, I'll make a sound like an owl. Yeah, let's try that. always gets them. Oh, wait a minute, wait. I forgot something. Here you are. A receipt from a certain shop. Payment in full for a certain pair of Queen Anne chairs. They'll be delivered within the hour. Oh, look at that, Johnny. She's smiling. Oh, Johnny. Here's to the famous Johnny Asgard. Beakers up, plenty to the bottom. Oh, Johnny, he's choking. Do something. It's no use, darling. I've seen this happen before. It'll either kill him or go away by itself. I think one of these days it will kill him. <laughs> Johnny, Beaky, an old friend of yours. How can you take that attitude? And you sat there and let him drink all the brandy he wanted. Oh, what is the matter with me? Johnny, Johnny, I do trust you. I do believe in you, but... I met one of the smelling faces today. She made it quite clear that you hadn't given up gambling. She told me she saw you each afternoon at the races... Johnny, perhaps I shouldn't, but I must find out. I must. Good afternoon, Mrs. Asgard. Oh, Captain Melbeck, I came to see my husband, but since he isn't here, well, after all, you are his cousin as well as his employer, and I, well, I'm, I'm just terribly worried. Yes, I understand that. But on the other hand, I told him I wouldn't prosecute, of course. Pros I don't understand. What on earth are you talking about? How does he get away with it? What reason did he give you when I discharged him? When did you discharge him? Six weeks ago. We had an unexpected audit and the account showed a deficit of 2,000 pounds. And when I looked into Johnny's records... Here, look at the photograph of the cliffs, Beaky. We could put the hotel up here. Perfect. Then the little houses could go down on the beach there. Hello, you two. What's going on? Oh, hello, monkey face. Sit down, darling. Pinky and I are organizing a real estate company. We're going to buy up this beautiful piece of land right by the sea. Well, have you found somebody to put up the money? Oh, yes. Who? Me, old girl. I... I see. Uh, well, I... well, the idea is mine. The capital is Beaky's. You see, Beaky borrows against some securities in Paris, and then we issue stock. The whole company, of course, would be in my name. It's very simple. Does Beaky understand it? Oh, yes, I think so. Captain Melbick's on the phone, sir. Oh. I'll take it in the study. Excuse me for a moment. Beaky. Yes, my dear? 
You're being unfair to Johnny. What? Oh, I say, now that's a hot one. Why, he's president of the whole new thing. He, he gets a salary. He can write checks. That's just what I mean. Well, what's wrong about that? Oh, there you are, old boy. You know, Lena's been telling me that you're a, a bit soft in the head. Not a, not a good risk and all that rot. I have, through the door. Uh, how about cleaning up, old boy? Nearly time for dinner. You know your room. Better hurry, in. Oh, all right. I won't be there. Well? Lena, have you any regrets that you married me? No. Why do you ask that? Then show me the courtesy of not interfering in my affairs. Darling, I'm not interfering in your affairs. You are. And I'm warning you, stop it. You hear? You hear? Oh, Johnny, please. Please. Oh, I'm sorry, darling. But it's pretty obvious it's no garland of roses to be Mrs. Johnny's garland. Johnny, do you have any regrets? Monkey face, marrying you is the one thing I've never changed my mind about. I want nothing but to spend the rest of my life with you. And if you die first... Yes? If I die first? What about you? I couldn't fall out of love with you if I tried. Have you tried? Yes. Today, when I found out about Captain Melvick. Oh. Oh, that. Well, listen to me. If I had the money, I could go ahead with this development. It's really a wonderful spot. And you think Beaky has the money? Of course. Oh. Well, I guess that's over. Over? Why? What's happened? Nothing's happened. I'm calling the deal off. Does Beaky know about this? Not yet. Here I am, darlings, and ravenous. When do we dine, eh? Personally, old Bean, I can't see anything wrong with the scheme. But if you say it's no use going ahead with it, well, uh, then let's go ahead. Well, Beaky, I'm not going to take the responsibility of calling the whole thing off without proving to you the scheme's no good. Now, you'll have to go up there to the cliffs tomorrow and take a look. Well, I'll be if you say it's no good, that satisfies me. You'd satisfy him. Why does Johnny insist? However, I would have liked What's in his mind? He's desperate for money. If he would sell the chair and bezel from Captain Melvick, would he stop it? No, no, that's preposterous to think. Yet he said, if I were to die... I say, Johnny, I really don't want to go up there in the morning. It'll be nasty and cold. Nasty and cold, foggy. Cliffs are high and treacherous. Beaky is no match for Johnny. Earlier the better. There won't be so much traffic on the road. Near the cliffs, there'll be alone. Nobody to watch. Beaky will get out of the car. Then Johnny. They'll walk near the edge of the cliff. Beaky will peer over. Too near. Too near. And suddenly he will go over. I say, getting up for me is murder, old chap. Murder. Murder. No. 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 I say. I do believe she's painted, old bean. Now, now, whatever do you suppose could be wrong? A silly phrase from childhood keeps going through my head. Gruesome shapes and things horrid. Why can't I get Johnny out of my mind? Not the laughing, easy-going Johnny I know, but a sinister Johnny. I got up early, took my car... I drove out to the cliff and found the tire marks of Johnny's car. They led right up to the edge of the cliff. My heart stood still. Where the tire marks ended, the cliff had caved in and was gone. I don't remember how I got home. Johnny, where's Beaky? Oh, hello, my girl. I'm here. Oh, thank God. 
Johnny! Fine, Bunky face. You're breaking my bones with that hug. After all, I've only been gone a few hours. Seems like a thousand. Seems that way to me, too. Oh, shut up. It was nothing, Biggie. Well, I nearly lost my life. Do you call that nothing? You nearly lost your life? Yes, I, uh, I was turning the car near the edge of the cliff. Was Johnny in the car? Uh, no, uh, he was admiring the view. Well, I was backing up. Backing right up to the edge. If Johnny hadn't seen it and, and, and taken a leap and grabbed the brake, uh, well, by Jove, I shouldn't be here. Johnny saved your life? He certainly did. Came Johnny close to losing his own, too. Oh, Johnny. How can I ever tell you what this means to me? To you? It meant something to me, too, by Harry. I want to give a chap a reward, eh, what? Oh, now it's getting interesting. Why can't he come to Paris with me? I think old Johnny needs a holiday. Paris? Yes, my securities are there. I think I'd better fly over to z- dissolve the corporation. I'll treat Johnny to the trip. Oh, the cad seems to forget I'm a married man, darling. Then I might toss a few things into a bag and drive as far as London with him. What about that, monkey face? Oh, ripping. Oh, do let him, monkey, uh, Lena. <laughs> well, I don't see how I can stop him. Good. Great. Let's pack, old bean. Mrs. Aysgong? Yes? I'm Hodgson, inspector of the county police. I understand your husband is not in, madam. No, he's up in London for a few days. I believe you know a Mr. Thwaite. Why, of course. He's a very good friend of my husband. Well, Mrs. Algarth, Mr. Thwaite is dead. Dead? Died in Paris. This is such a shock. You see, I... we knew him. I'm sorry to have to break it to you, Mrs. Algarth. It seems Mr. Thwaite was in the company of another gentleman by the name of Albeam or Holbeam. There was some sort of a drinking bet between them. This other gentleman ordered a large beaker of brandy for Mr. Thwaite and then left. Did you or your husband happen to know any friend of Mr. Thwaites who would answer to a name such as Albeam or Holbeam? I'm, I'm afraid not. The papers were found on Mr. Thwaites which would indicate that he and your husband had formed a corporation. My husband had planned a real estate development for Mr. Thwaites. Mr. Thwaites had gone to Paris to dissolve it. I see. Well, thank you, Mrs. Aisgott. Sorry I had to bother you. When your husband returns... Uh, by the way, do you expect him? This evening, Inspector. Would you ask him to ring me at the station? Yes. Thank you. Goodbye. Hello? Hogarth Club, London. Oh, may I speak to Mr. Aysgarth, please? Yes. Oh, when do you expect him? He left yesterday. Thank you. You. Yes. So you've heard about Biggie? Yes. Dead. Johnny, the inspector, wants you to phone him. Captain Melbit phone him, sir. Oh, yes? Now tell him I got his note. Tell him I'll take care of the matter within two weeks, as he requests. Yes, sir. The matter? The debt, monkey face. He wants his money. And you can get it in two weeks? I'm trying. Now, suppose we call it a day. But, Johnny... You have to call the inspector. Let's call it a day, darling. I'm tired. Dead tired. That's the first portion of Academy Award Theater with suspicion more after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. 
Hi, this is Carl Amari. These classic radio shows are direct from master recordings and digitally remastered. We license these classic radio shows from the owners and estates for the privilege of using their master recordings as our source material so that we can pass that great sound quality on to you. Oh, you can find classic radio shows sold on the Internet from companies that are not authorized to sell them, but you'll often be disappointed by the inferior sound quality. If you enjoy listening to and collecting great sound quality classic radio shows, we've set up a website just for you at ClassicRadioStore.com so you can enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com to download your favorites to your smartphone, computer, or any listening device. We offer thousands of digitally remastered classic radio shows, uncut and unedited, including the original commercials, delivered to you instantly via digital download. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com. That's ClassicRadioStore.com. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with ten of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott and Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now let's get back to Suspicion on Academy Award Theater. All night I lay awake, my mind whirling with suspicion. And suddenly I remembered Isabel, who was a writer of murder fiction. I remembered Johnny asking her questions a few evenings ago. Unusual questions. Had he followed up those questions? Why did Johnny want to know so much about murder? And the ways of committing murder? Well, since you flattered me by telling me you've already read my latest story, ask me your questions. Isabel, why did Johnny come to see you? Well, my dear, Johnny is interested in the way in which we poor writers evolve our little plot. Well, naturally, we talk to so many things. I see. Did he, did he ask you any particular questions? Questions like, well, um, unusual ways in which a character might commit a crime? Well, yes, we did talk of that. You know, Johnny, you can't resist him. He makes you want to tell all your trade secrets. I see. Oh, I remember now. Johnny was simply fascinated by one of my pet fairies. An untraceable poison. Oh, was he? Has Johnny been having nightmares? Talking in his sleep, my dear? Yes, yes, Isabel. That's it. Nightmares. Oh, Mrs. Ayscar. This letter just came for Mr. Ayscar. I was going to bring it up. Oh, thank you. I'll take it to myself. Yes. Durential Insurance Company, Manchester. Replying to your inquiry regarding a loan of £2,000 against policy 167895. Regret loan cannot be made. Under terms of policy, payment can only be made in the event of the death of your wife. 
the dent, the death of your wife. Johnny. Yes, monkey face? I saw Isabel today. I didn't know you were so interested in murder, mistress. Uh, yes, yes. I borrowed one of her books. Terrible bore, too. There was a lot of muck about using an untraceable poison. What does that mean, untraceable? Well, you can't find it on the corpse, so you look high and low. Yes? Are you interested in murder, too, dear? Yes, I... I'm getting to be. Hmm. I had quite an interesting chat with Isabel that day. She thinks I couldn't commit a murder if I tried a hundred years. Something in my face. What do you think, darling? I... I don't know, Charlie. Johnny, have you finished breakfast? Yes. Oh, are you speaking to me this morning? I'm sorry, Johnny. I don't know what got into me last night. I must be developing nerves. Oh, I don't mind being asked to sleep in my dressing room, even when my wife locks the door between. Some husbands might, but not me. Oh, really, Johnny? I'm I'm just run down. I, I think I'd better go down to Mother's for a few days. She asked you? Why, yes, I... Yes, she called this morning. Must have been very early. I didn't hear it. Very well. I'll drive you. Oh, you needn't drive me. I could take the... I prefer to drive you. That door on your side keeps me open. I must get it fixed someday. Please, you have to drive so fast. Great morning for a bit of speed. Look out! Shortcut here. Almost missed the turn. What's that door? <laughs> you think a man can bear? You turn me out of your room. You go running away to your mother's and now you cringe as though you hate me. You're my wife, Lena. I, I thought I, I... You almost killed us both back there in the car because you had to pull away when I reached out to save you. Well, you won't have to put up with me anymore. Johnny. Where are you going, Johnny? First time driving you onto your mother's. And then what? You needn't worry. I'll never bother you again. You mean you're going to? Is that why you were looking up that poison in Isabel's book? You were going to kill yourself. Oh, Johnny, my darling, no. Oh, don't worry. I saw that was a cheap way out. I'm going back to see it through, Lena. Prison term and everything. Prison? You mean Melbourne? That money you took? Yes. I can't pay it back. I made a last try to raise the money when I went away with Biggie. To Paris? No, no. I went up to Liverpool to borrow on your insurance. You mean you were in Liverpool when Biggie... You didn't go to Paris? I wish I had. I'd never have let some idiot give poor old Biggie that brandy. Oh, Johnny. I've been such a fool. If only I'd realized. If I'd been as close to as I should have, you might have confided in me more. But things are going to be different now, Johnny. People don't change overnight. I'm no good, Lena. Oh, darling, let's turn back. Go home and see it all through together. Mm-mm. It won't work. I'm taking you on to your mother's. It will work. I know it. Let me go back with you. You don't belong in this. But I do. I won't let you shut me out. Please, Johnny. Turn the car around and go home. Please. 
No, Lena, no. We're saying goodbye. Yes. I know, Johnny. But it's going to take so many, many years to say goodbye. Next Wednesday, another great picture. The House of Squibb will present Academy Awards starring Olivia de Havilland in Cheers for Miss Bishop. Today's performance of Suspicion was written for radio by Frank Wilson with an original musical score composed and conducted by Lee Stevens. Our producer-director is D. Engelbach. Cary Grant may currently be seen in RKO's Alfred Hitchcock production, Notorious. And Todd appeared through the courtesy of David O. Selznick and may soon be seen in the Selznick production, The Paradigm Case. Nigel Bruce was unable to appear tonight because of illness. The part of Vicky on tonight's performance was played by Carl Harbert. This is Hugh Brundage bidding you good night until next Wednesday at the same time when you're invited to listen again to Academy Award, presented by the House of Squibb, a name you can trust. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Academy Award Theater with Suspicion from October 30th, 1946, starring Cary Grant along with Ann Todd. That was sponsored by the House of Squibb, as heard on CBS. Well, before we tune in to part one of the Abbott and Costello show, I want to remind all of our listeners about our classic radio club. And in fact, Lisa, as you know, because you're a member of the classic radio club, in your first collection you get, there is an Abbott and Costello show. And it has... Who's on first? All right, the who's on first. I am a proud member of the Classic Radio Club. Folks, if you don't know about our Classic Radio Club, take a moment, go to your computer, and log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. I promise that if you join the club, you are really going to enjoy it. Because every single month, you're going to get 10 Classic Radio shows from my library. In fact, I'm going to pick the best of the best from my 100,000-plus classic radio shows direct from Master Recordings. You're going to get 10 shows every month on five CDs. I'm going to write liner notes so that when you get your five CDs with 10 shows, you'll have copious notes, historical information. It's a lot of fun. Now, join the club the very first month. It's only $4.99, and we will rush you a five-CD, 10-classic radio show collection along with liner notes. Lisa's a member. We have hundreds and hundreds of members and we want to grow this club to a very large membership. Hopefully you will join. Go to ClassicRadioClub.com. And there's a toll-free number, too, right? Uh, sure. If you'd rather call rather than go to the uh, website, you can call 888-642-6556. Once again? 888-642-6556. And I know you really like being a member of the club because you get a surprise every single month, right, I Lisa? I do, and not just any surprise, but the quality of these shows is pretty and you can't find that anywhere else other than from Carl Amari. Well, thanks, Lisa Wolf. All right, ClassicRadioClub.com. It is time now for the Abbott and Costello Show. You know, these two guys were together for a long, long time, Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. They made movies, they were part of vaudeville circuit, and then they did radio and TV. And the radio show was quite popular. We have a broadcast for you now. From May 5th, 1948, the special guest is Bela Lugosi. Here's part one of the Abbott and Costello Show. Hey, Abbott, what time is it? It's time for the Abbott and Costello Show. We're on the air here in Hollywood. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go with the Abbott and Costello Show. (laughs) 
is the Abbott and Costello Show, produced and transcribed in Hollywood tonight for your listening pleasure with Susan Miller and the music of Matty Malley. Hold on to your chairs, folks, for here they are, Bud Abbott and Luke Costello. Costello, Costello, you're late again. Well, I was watching the girls admiring Lana Turner's new necklace. Lana Turner has a new le- necklace? Yes, made out of her old wedding rings. <laughs> hey, who was that girl you were out with last night? Oh, that's my, that's my new girl. What's she like, Lou? What's she like? She likes bourbon, scotch, gin, rye, wine, scotch, <laughs> bourbon. Look, where, where did you meet this girl? Oh, at the Palladium. I asked her for a dance. Did you dance the Foxtrot, the Tango, or the Waltz? The one step. The one step? One step and I changed my mind about dancing with her. Why, wasn't she a good dancer? No, but she makes you forget about dancing during intermission. When I took her home, I kissed her goodnight and got a real kick out of it. Uh, she kisses that good? No, her father caught us. Right. <laughs> Instead of running around every night with a different girl, why don't you settle down and get married? Not me, Abbott. Getting married is like going to a cafeteria. Like a cafeteria? Yeah, you grab what you want and pay for it later. <laughs> Costello, why were you late tonight? Well, I overslept, Abbott. I had a very peculiar dream. I dreamed I was a pincushion in a, in a room full of balloon dancers. And am I mad? Why are you mad? Well, I woke up just when things were beginning to pop. I... <laughs> After next week, I'm going to get my whole... I'm going to get my own room. I can't sleep with my brother Pat anymore. All night long, he dreams he's Roy Rogers. Well, why should that disturb you? He also dreams I'm Trigger. I... <laughs> Heaven, if you will appoint me Sheriff Vincino, I'll clean up the town. I'll mop up all the pool rooms. I'll clean out all the saloons. I'll scour the alleys. How can you do that? On the side, I'm a street cleaner. <laughs> Castello, if I make you the new sheriff, you've got a lot of brave men to follow. Listen to the records from the background. Sheriff Jones, Redcoats, Northwest Mounted, 1931. Oh, yeah. Sheriff Brown, Redcoats, Northwest Mounted, 1938. Sheriff Costello, Sportscoats, Bullock's Basement, 1975. <laughs> You have to know something about the law. For instance, do you know do you know how to put up a defense? Well, sure. All you have to could I have that again? I said, do you know how to put up a defense? Why should I put up a defense? I already put up at the wall around my house. <laughs> I also got at the hedge in the backyard. Why do I have to put up a defense? No, no, Costello. When I say you put up a defense, I don't mean you put up a fence like you uh, do when you put up a fence. I mean a defense. Like when you put up a defense. Yeah, but I think you nuts. Now you think. <laughs> it's no use. You wouldn't know how to act in a criminal investigation anyhow. Oh, is that so? Yes. I was down at a morgue yesterday to see a gangster that was killed. I lifted up the sheet and there he lay, the corpus delicatessen. The... <laughs> yeah, dummy. Corpus delicti. Not corpus delicatessen. This was a corpus delicatessen. He was stabbed with a salami. Right. <laughs> Cleaning up Encino, but you didn't have to dump that heap of rubbish here on the stage. <laughs> rubbish? Oh, pardon me, it's Costello. I am. <laughs> well, Costello is sheriff of Encino. He's going to chase all the criminals out of town. Well, buddy, you ought to put me on that job. You know I'm a regular bloodhound. From the looks of your ears, you must be pot cocker spaniel, too. <laughs> I don't have to take any more insults from you, Costello. Huh. I can see through you. I've got eyes like a hawk. 
And a beat to match. Hello. <laughs> How dare you insult my wife? She's beautiful. Why, before I married her, she had men falling at her feet. And why not? She was refereeing fights at the Legion Stadium. <laughs> oh, you pigeon puss pop eyed penguin. When I was a girl living in the country, boys used to court me from ten miles away. They had to. They were afraid to come any closer. <laughs> Pay no attention to Monty. Say, that's a pretty hat you're wearing, dear. Oh, I just bought it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think I should wear it to one side off the face? If you're smart, you'll wear it over your face. <laughs> oh, low life. Low life? Uh, by the way, buddy, I got some new shoes, too. Do you like them? They're pumps. On, on you, they look good. Well, thanks. Considering that your legs look like pump handles. <laughs> oh, how dare you? I have beautiful legs. You're bowling. My wife is not bowling. She's the only woman in the world that can walk down a bowling alley while the game is on. Costello, for insulting my wife, I'm not going to make you sheriff of Encino, and I'm not going to give you this beautiful badge. Oh, please have it. Let me be the sheriff. I've always wanted a badge. Everybody's got a badge but me. A cop has a badge. A fireman has a badge. Even a little boy scout has a badge. Abbott, I've just got to have a badge. But uh, why do you have to have a badge? I'm tired of holding up my pants with my teeth. (laughs) Oh, all right. I hereby appoint you sheriff of Encino. Step forward, and I'll pin this badge on your shirt. Thank you, Abbott. I mean, Your Honor. Hold still. I'm tearing your shirt. I ain't wearing any shirt. (laughs) Come on. We're going over to the sheriff's office in Encino right now. So you can start to work immediately. That's the first portion of the Abbott and Costello show starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello and special guest Bala Lugosi. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Sarah Knight-Adamson. I'm the national film critic for the website sarahsbackstagepass.com. I'm a member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association in L.A. and a voting member of the Critics' Choice Film Awards. Coming up next, you'll hear a film review of a movie that's playing near you. Smallfoot. It's an animated children's film by the Warner Animation Group, a division of Warner Brothers, starring the voices of Channing Tatum, Common, Zendaya, LeBron James, James Corden, and Danny DeVito. On a mountaintop, an isolated society of yetis, or yeti commonly known as Bigfoot, follow commandments that are written in stone until Migo, voiced by Channing Tatum, challenges the rules when he finds a smallfoot, commonly known as a human. Let's take a listen. I saw it. A mythical creature I had only heard existed in legend. <laughs> Percy, voiced by James Corden, a fading TV nature show host, is overjoyed to discover the Yetis. Here's another clip. Look, I know what I saw, and I'm going to prove it. Wait! Ah, he's gone. The bottom line, I'm out. Two stars out of four. This kid's movie is way too confusing, even for adults to follow. 
You know, the songs were okay, but not great by any means. The key messages in the film, having your own thoughts and accepting others' differences, they're weakened due to the random changes in storylines and the multiple subplots. I say skip it. Check out all of my reviews and interviews on sarahsbackstagepass.com. See you next week. Hey, fans of Classic Radio, Carl Amari here. I've created a free app just for you. Get 10 Classic Radio shows free in the Classic Radio Shows app. Plus, there are many more shows available for in-app purchase. You can get your free Classic Radio Shows app in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. The easiest way to get your free app is to log on to Hollywood360radio.com and scroll down to the Classic Radio Shows app banner and click either the Google link or the Apple link. Don't miss out. Get your free Classic Radio Shows app today. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott and Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, it's the conclusion to the Abbott and Costello show from 1948. Then Bill Johnstone stars as Lamont Cranston, alias The Shadow. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.